0: us what uh, he's laid on his heart and i said boy i i, I, I can't wait either <laughs> uh, you know i i saw something in the vestibule when i came in and you know since i've been down here all brother jackson says to me is you ain't in kentucky anymore and uh, we're just driving back through the conference from brother troy's he's like slow down you ain't in kentucky anymore well, now the police have gotten in on the thing. I was riding a motorcycle on Jekyll Island the other day, a dirt bike, and cop pulls me over and they give my license. And I'm, not, I'm telling you the truth. He goes, You ain't in Kentucky anymore. You got to wear a helmet. And he says, I'm writing I'm you up for reckless driving. I said, For not wearing a helmet? He said, No, for popping willies. I'm like, All right. Then the fire department came out the other night. I got a job cleaning out this guy's garage on Jekyll Island, and, you know, it, they won $75 to dump all that stuff. And, and uh, he come up, and the fireman, and he's like, I need to see your ID. I've got, you know, everybody else burns their garbage, and he's looking at me and goes, you can't burn tires. I was going, they were doing just fine before you got here, made me put them out, yeah. You ain't in Kentucky anymore, and I handed him his license, and then I told one guy, and he said, why ain't you switch licenses? That's what's got me out of a couple of things. I don't plan on it, so I figure out all y'all's rules around here, you know. But, grow, you know, growing up, we had heroes as children. All of us did, you know. When I coached baseball, it was always a fight over who was going to get a certain player's number because they wanted, to, wanted their number. I remember coaching baseball having to tell many kids, You're not Daryl Strawberry, don't lift your leg when you bat. You you know, we had heroes as kids growing up. As adults we have mentors. Uh we have people that we, we look to. Now some people that we know we very impressed with, we can relate to. Some we can't. I remember uh when I was coaching baseball, I coached with uh Jay Peterman. His son was on the team If you've ever watched the Seinfeld episodes, it's the character, Jay Peterman. That's that's not him. That's an actor. But there is a real company out of Lexington called Jay Peterman Company. And I'm looking down at first base. It's 100 degrees outside. And this guy is coaching in a gunner's jacket and a safari hat. But he used to coach for the Oakland A's. Very interesting guy, but not somebody you'd want to pattern after by any stretch of the imagination. But there are those that we do admire and we do see. And we want... To be kind of like them. Now, one great thing about the Bible, one of the reasons that the Bible is written, is it gives us a lot of different examples. It gives us examples of people doing good, and it gives us examples of people doing bad. It gives us a lot of examples for us to follow. And what makes it even better than the people we know is we get God's opinion of them. You see, because my opinion isn't always right. I've had opinions of people that, that that boy, I admired, but been disappointed. And some people that I didn't think was much, then they show up to be something. But when we get God's opinion on someone, uh, then we know it to be true. And we can follow that example. You know, in all the characters, we'll turn here in just a minute, but in all the characters in the Bible that that there are, I've never prayed to be like any of them, except for one man that we're going to talk about tonight. And it's just for one real reason. Now, when we think about Abraham, we think of a great patriarch, but it's not him. Think of Moses, you think of the greatest leader in all the Bible. It's not him. It's not the greatest missionary, Paul, nor is it the boldest preacher, Peter. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4. It's somebody that a lot of people don't know a lot about. Acts chapter 4, out had a 90-year-old woman. I preached this Sunday night coming back from Kentucky at Brother Kiger's, 91 years old. She said, I've been in church since I was a little girl. I've never heard a sermon on him. I didn't know half of what you've taught me. So in Acts chapter 4, we'll begin our reading. Look with me in verse 34. Acts 4:34. stand for the word, and then after I read a couple verses, we'll pray. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need, and Joseph, or Joseph in the Hebrew, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for traveling mercy. Uh, we know that we're tired and, and our minds are weary, but Father, let us study your word. Father, let us study... Uh, Father, uh, the godliness and the spirit moving on this man throughout the book of Acts, one of our church fathers, one of the great leaders of the Bible, not spoken enough in, uh, about enough, Father let us be encouragers like Barnabas, in Jesus' name, amen, you may be seated. The first thing that we see here, I've got a lot of statements about Barnabas, and we're going to use the Bible, we're going to cut through here. But the first thing that we see here about Barnabas is that he was surnamed. His name was Joseph, but the apostle surnamed him Barnabas. Now, a surname is something that our Lord surnamed Peter, and Peter meaning small stone. It it is is something that is an epithet or something that uh, is what they're known for. You know, if, you know, uh, we think of the seven dwarfs. You know, you got sleepy and, <laughs> and grouchy and happy and all that. Uh, but it's something that they're known for. They named him Barnabas. Now, the word Barnabas means cons- the son of consolation. That word is also translated exhort and exhortation. The most common of its usage is comfort. If you look, don't turn with me, but in Second Corinthians 1, 4, 1 chapter, that, when it talks about the God of all comfort, it's the same word, consolation, the son of consolation. If we were to wrap it up into one word tonight, it would be to encourage, the son of encouragement. I'll just be quick and to the point on this. We have enough uh, negative people that like to tear things down. We need some positive people that like to build people up. You know, Isaiah says in chapter 62 that, that the Lord's going to give us a new name as we are known. And I can go into Revelation. I mean, you're going to be surnamed in heaven by what you did here on earth. Now, the apostles surnamed this man the encourager, the son of consolation. And and I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of people here that, that are very encouraging people. This church is in short on encouragers. But we need to do more to be a greater encouragement. And so let's look at some of the things that made Barnabas, Barnabas, what made Joseph the son of consolation. First of all, he was sold out for God. We find that right here. Having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, it tells us earlier that people with great wealth gave all that they had and laid it at the apostles' feet. And the Holy Spirit says, make sure that you know that one man of that group, that man is Barnabas. Barnabas gave all that he had, and he must have been a rich man for the Holy Spirit to notarize him above everyone else that gave. And, but he sold out completely, giving all that he had and push forward, he, he he forsook. Like Moses, it said of Moses, he forsook the riches of Egypt. Well, he forsook the, the riches of this world for the riches of another world. Now, thirdly, Barnabas, he was, there's a lot of points here, he was not afraid to give someone with a past a chance. Turn with me to chapter 9 of the book of Acts. Chapter 9 of the book of Acts. Saul has been persecuting the Christians. Saul has now been saved on the road. And now on the path he has been saved and and he has gone to baptism and he's gone to the disciples. And look with me here in Acts chapter 9 verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were afraid of him and believed. And believed not that he was a disciple. They didn't believe him. He's a he's a he's a sheep, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. This man, we don't believe you. Get away. They rejected him. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Now, we know that God does all things for his glory and his control. But let us not forget, God uses people to do that. And humanistically, Paul never would have gotten even a chance at the church of Jerusalem if it were not for Barnabas. He was the one who said, now, guys, y'all are rejecting him. Y'all are turning him away. But I'm telling you, I know he's got a past. But God saved him. And he's preaching. He's preaching then the church received him you know Barnabas not only was a man who gave men chances wasn't afraid of them but he was trusted in the most contra- in the most controversial of items turn with me to the book of acts chapter 11 we find in acts chapter 11 want to set this up look in verse one and the apostles and brethren that were in judea heard that the gentiles had also received the word of god chapter 10 peter goes up and preaches at cornelius's house and and cornelius and gentiles are saved and word has got back to the church of jerusalem gentiles are being saved by uh, peter is witnessing to gentiles and they're being saved verse two And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision uh, contended with him. They fought with him. And you'll find out for the next few verses, the church at Jerusalem was not happy with the Apostle Peter. Then something even worse happens. Verse, turn with, look down in verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen... Traveled as far as Phineas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them which were, now notice that, many of them traveled and they preached out of the church, but they only preached to the Jews. Verse 19, 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church of Jerusalem, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Now these others have gone up preaching in these regions, but they're only preaching to the Jews. Now these guys are preaching to Grecians. The church, if you, we don't have time to read the whole chapter, is already split. They're already mad at the Apostle Peter for preaching. Now these other guys are preaching. Uh, with a split church, they all came together. And there was one man that they could agree on to send. And that was Barnabas. They sent him to the first Gentile church in Antioch. So he must have been very trusted. We find more about Barnabas in this. Look with me down here in verse 23. Who when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad. Barnabas obviously was not a prejudiced man. He was glad when he saw these Gentiles, these Grecians believing. He was glad. And exhorted them. That's what he does. That's his name. Uh, to exhort to build up to encourage to embolden look what look at what he said that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord and he preached salvation as a relationship with God he preached to them whether they're Becoming saved or whether they have been saved. That they need to worship and hold to the Lord intentionally. If you're going to worship him, you're going to serve him. You have to do it on purpose. And Let me tell you something. If you want to have a walk with God, you got to do it on purpose. You got to have a time. You got to have a place. Hey, those that don't schedule a specific time to pray, I can tell you how much you pray. Let's just get real. Barnabas preached a That they would purposely do what? That they would cleave to the Lord. Cleave. Now every now and then we'll hear preachers, and I've even in the past made many statements saying, Oh, you don't have to hold on to the Lord. The Lord's holding on to you. It's not what Barnabas preached. Now let me explain. I remember when Rebecca, my daughter, was about two years old, just learning to walk. We were walking one day, and she was just reached up. She was just holding on to my fingers. I wasn't holding on to her. She was just holding on to me. She hit something in the sidewalk, and she wasn't strong enough. She fell. She wasn't strong enough to hold on to me, so she fell. And, you know, we took care of that like parents do. We kissed the boo-boo, gave her a bunch of chocolate and all that kind of thing. So... It wasn't, I mean, it was a couple years later. She's older now, and we're walking beside her, and she reaches up, and she grabs my hand, and I'm holding her hand, and she's squeezing onto my hand, and I'm like, Rebecca, Daddy ain't going to let you fall. I got this. She's like, I know, Daddy. I just like it. I don't cleave, cling, or hold on to the Lord because I'm afraid I'm he's going to let me go I don't hold on to him because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my salvation I hold on to him because I love him because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind and that's what this man preached to them when he saw Gentiles being saved it made him glad and he preached to them that they need to, on um, purpose, intentionally, hold on to the Lord. Hold on to the Lord. Now we find a statement about Barnabas that is not stated about any man in all of the Bible except for Barnabas. And it is actually prohibited by Jesus. Look at the next verse. He was a good man. They came to Jesus and they said... Uh, Good master? You know what Jesus said, don't you? Why callest me thou good? Don't call any man good. Only God in heaven is good. And there's only one man in the Bible that the Holy Spirit inspired to describe as good. Now, I didn't say he was sinless. Why is he good? It tells us why he's good. It tells us right here. Because he was full of the Holy Ghost. Simple He was good because he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the Holy Ghost and faith. You see, when we're filled with God, we're filled with goodness. God is the only one that's good. But if we're filled with God, we'll be good. Our righteous deeds, our good deeds... They have to be Spirit-directed, Holy Spirit-centered. And God described, God described, Barnabas as a good man because he was full of God. He was full of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can be good. He was a good man. Full of faith. I bet he was full of faith. He sold everything he had. And now he's just out there going about the wishes of the apostles. You know what? He goes on down. Says he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord. There in Antioch. Now Barnabas He recruited the help of others. Look at verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now Barnabas is the pastor of this church. Now I can show you that here in a little bit. Paul's not the pastor of this church. Barnabas is the man of Antioch. He's the pastor of Antioch. It it even becomes even more clear as we go through Acts. He's the first pastor of the first Gentile church. And his church lived so Christ-like that they were called Christians first at Antioch. You see, Barnabas was that pastor. But later he was called to be a missionary. Look with me in verse 13, chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were at the church, chapter 13, verse 1, there were at the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas. Now, I'm going to stop here because this is going to explain a whole lot through the rest of this message. Everything in the Bible is extremely accurate. Even the order of names. We talk about Paul and Barnabas, but Paul and Barnabas doesn't happen for a long time. For the next couple years, it's Barnabas and Saul. If, If Brother Paul were here tonight, he pastors this church. You would say... Brother Paul and Brother Robbie preached. If Brother Paul was down in sovereign grace, you would say Brother Robbie and Brother Paul. Even the order of the names, especially in this culture, means a lot. And so when they, uh, and so look here, it says, We're in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, so you have the gift of prophecy. What is the gift of prophecy? Direct revelation from the Lord. Now we don't we don't have that today. We have God's inspired book. Here's His direct revelation. And teachers, Barnabas and Simeon that was that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, and uh, which had brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. Man, God. So God called Barnabas and Saul to be the first missionary team. Third, it's verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And that sending word there is a word of commission. They, 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 just like you would commission an officer. They were sent with authority. That word sent there means authority. The Holy Spirit said, give me Barnabas and give me Saul for the work wherein I have called them. And the church laid their hands on them, ordained them, set them apart for that work, and sent them out with the authority of the church of Antioch. what's Barnabas do he's the lead man on this missionary team what's the first thing he does where's the first place he goes he goes home he goes home he goes to the people he grew up with that's where that's where he starts look down here verse 4 So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed to Silkeia and from thence sailed to Cyprus. And you go back and you find out where's Barnabas, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. So where's the first place he goes? He goes home. He goes home to the people he grew up with. He goes to his family. He goes to his neighbors. The first place he starts is the people he knows, the people he loves. Isn't that what our Lord basically said? Beginning in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria. Hey, we're all called to be witnesses. None of us, we may not be preachers or apostles or missionaries or different things. We're all called to be witnesses. And the first place we need to start is at home. The woman at the well went to the people and said, Come see a man that had told me all that I'd ever done. Is not this the Christ? So the first place that he went, he he, he went home. Now, uh, we see next that Barnabas, when we think of someone, the son of encouragement, bold, loved, well, you think of someone that's just maybe a little soft, but Barnabas was bold. Look with me in, we're in chapter 13, look at verse 46. Now, something has happened between this and here. Paul, Saul is, His name has now been changed to Paul. And now it reads, Then Paul and Barnabas. Now Paul is the lead on this missionary trip. Waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, talking to the Jews, seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. He was bold enough to let them know that their rejection of Jesus Christ would bring eternal punishment. And he was humble enough to give Paul the lead. Now, there would be no, human, humanly speaking, Paul would not have a ministry if it were not for Barnabas. And now God has doing this great work on the Apostle Paul. And Barnabas, it was the lead man in Antioch. And they sailed to Cyprus. But now God has done in this chapter, has put his hand specially on Paul. And and Barnabas has seen this. And from now on, except for in a few places which we'll note, it's now Paul and Barnabas. See, he wasn't so ego threatened that he didn't say, well, the fellow I started out is now. No, no, he was fine with it. He was humble enough to give Paul the lead. Barnabas gave all glory to God. He gave all glory to God. Look with me here in chapter 14. And we find a a story here that uh, gives us a little bit of of an understanding about Barnabas. Maybe it's a different story, but it's a a story. In chapter 14, verse 8. And there said a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak who uh, steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand aright on, on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voice, saying in the speech of the Laconian, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurus or Mercury because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. Uh, Which when the apostles, we may want to note that too, when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, Heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out, and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passion with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Now, they called... We see this scene. Paul heals a man, and he does most of the preaching. The people perceive that they're gods. Well, in this, we can maybe understand a little something about the presence or the person of Barnabas. Paul did all the speaking. Paul did all the preaching. He did all the healing. Mercury was the spokesman for the gods. He was just an errand boy. Jupiter, which is the Grecian way of saying it, in the Roman way of doing it, in the Roman thing, it's Zeus, is the god of gods. He is in their paganistic, he is, he is the most exalted god. He is, uh, he is the god of the sky. He's the god who brings the thunder and the sunshine. He's the god that, that does all this. And he's the god that kings pray to that they would act more kingly many if you read the roman pagans they would pray oh give me the the majesty of zeus now your pastor cracks me up sometimes because i was talking to him the other day about a week ago he said well you're preaching i said well there's two character study characters i'm thinking about preaching one is methibosheth obviously we didn't do that uh and i said the other one's barnabas and i said man you know i've always wanted to be like barnabas and be an encouragement He said, "Well, you know i'm more like Barnabas than anyone. And I said, really? In what way? He goes, well, if there ever was a man who the pagans would mistake as Zeus, it would be me. <laughs> he was kidding. But uh, Barnabas obviously had an imposing figure about him. He had a way about him. That when they looked at him, they said, that's a king. Now think about this. Paul did all the preaching and all the healing, and, the, and they run out to sacrifice to Barnabas. <laughs> they just thought Paul was his spokesman. <laughs> he was the one that spoke for him. And Barnabas speaks up. We find Barnabas speaking up. And what did Barnabas say? Well, we find here it says, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul heard of it they rent their their clothes and ran in among the people crying out and saying sirs why do ye these things now this verse 15 barnabas is saying this why do i know that cuz barnabas names is listed above before pauls barnabas stood with his brother encouraging him as he preached. And they just thought he was his spokesman. And he came out and said, I'll speak for myself. You're not doing this. (laughs) Obviously, when they looked at the two, they said, Paul works for him. Just in the way they held themselves and carried themselves. Paul follows him. That was their perception. But the point here is, Barnabas would have no worship. He said, I'm just like you. I'm just a man like you. He gave all the glory to God. He gave God all the glory. All of it. You know, Barnabas, just got a couple more. Barnabas stood for grace and not works. Look with me in chapter 15. Chapter 15. We know this chapter. It's the chapter of the council at Jerusalem. Gentiles are being saved. They're living lawlessly, a lot of them. The Jews are saying they have to be circumcised. They have to follow the dietary laws. They have to do this. They have to do that. So they decide that they're going to bring it all together. Peter's coming to Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas are coming to Jerusalem. James, the physical half-brother of our Lord, is the pastor at Jerusalem. And they're going to decide this whole thing out. Peter speaks his mind. And then we pick it up here. In We're in chapter 15, verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. Declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Peter stood up and gave why he believed that God was saving the Gentiles. Barnabas was the one that did the speaking before the apostles in the church. Why? Why? Well, I think it's kind of obvious. Look, well, I'll make it even more obvious. Look down here with me to verse 23. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. Now, they wrote letters to give their declaration to what they wanted to do. Now, look at verse 25 as they signed the letter. It seemed, this is, part, this is the end of the letter. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Look at the description that they give Barnabas. They go, R R, our, R, you know, that's our man. <laughs> I just want y'all to remember that he's, he's one of us. And we sent him to Antioch so many years ago. You ever been somewhere and somebody, I remember watching my brother play football sometime. I go, that's my brother. And, and, and they're saying, that's our Barnabas. Our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Now we're not putting down Paul. But we're saying here that, that when the issue was going to be decided, the apostles wanted Barnabas to speak. And when they sent out letters of authority, they put Barnabas' name first. God we said something about this man. Now He may not be as known to us today as what he, than what he was in that day. And now I'm going to bring that to a point. But God knew who he was. And the people he ministered knew who he was. And, and what was great about him was he was an encouragement, and they sent him out. You know, he was, uh, lastly, and we'll tie it together, he was quick to forgive and restore preachers. He was quick to forgive and to restore preachers. Look here with me in chapter 15, verse thirty six and some days after now they're getting ready to head out paul said unto barnabas let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the lord and see how they do and barnabas determined to take with them john whose surname was mark but paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. The contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder, one from each other, or from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. That is, Silas was recommended to Paul by the brethren, and, and and they went through Syria and so forth John Mark John Mark had turned away in Pamphylia John Mark was with them and and if you go back and you read it John Mark actually left Paul and Barnabas in a lurch he was supposed to meet up with them and John Mark it says of him loving this present world he turned away he turned away maybe he was homesick maybe he was just homesick but he loved the he, He turned away from doing the work of the Lord to return to what he was doing before he was doing the work of the Lord. Now John Mark has shown up in Jerusalem. He's there in Jerusalem. That's where he turned back to. And Barnabas says, we're taking John Mark with us. Paul's like, I ain't taking him. He's a quitter. He left us high and dry in Pamphylia. Barnabas stood eye to eye with the apostle Paul and said, we are taking John Mark. I'm not taking him. Now, God, in His grace, made two missionary teams. But you know what? (laughs) The only man recorded in the Bible that stood eye to eye with the Apostle Paul and was right, he argued with the Apostle Paul, and he was right. You know why we know he was right? Number one, Paul admitted that he was right. Because later on, Paul writes to Barnabas and says, Bring John Mark, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. You know how else we know he was right? Because we read the Gospel of Mark, John Mark. We read his Gospel. Mark wrote the, This is the same one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. It's John Mark. He, he said, look, he may have messed up. He may have messed up once. He may have got it wrong once. But he's still in the ministry. Give him another chance. Now you know why they called him the encourager. Now you know why, that, 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 everybody, that, that when they described the different ones, they talked about Paul, they talked about the ones, but they always say, our loved Barnabas, the beloved Barnabas. Now we have two groups, Paul and Silas, and Barnabas and John Mark. The first time we see the Apostle Paul, who will be, the first time we see Saul and Barnabas together, we see Barnabas standing to defend Saul to the church of Jerusalem, to the apostles. And standing with that man saying, give him a chance. The last time we see Paul and Barnabas together in the Bible, Paul is now standing against Paul saying, give John Mark a chance. Give John Mark a chance. And so now he took and he let him. Now he will lead John Mark as he led Paul. The mark of leadership is not how many followers you have, but how many leaders you have equipped. Barnabas enabled others. Barnabas allowed others to shine. He encouraged others to servanthood. While Paul and John Mark's ministries are more known, They, their beginning was with Barnabas. The most trusted man of the church at Jerusalem was not Peter, nor was it Paul, but it was Barnabas. The most loved man of the church at Jerusalem was Barnabas. You know, we don't have to, Barnabas is one who's enabling others to do things and then stepping back. There was an old preacher in the mountains of North Carolina who wrote a resignation letter in the 1950s to his church saying, I'm a failure. I'm resigning the church because I have failed. There's nothing that has happened in the church. The only convert that I've had in the last five years is wee little Bobby Moffitt and I've become his babysitter. They would bring Bobby Moffitt to the church house and he would take care of Bobby Moffitt and teach him and do things of that nature because Bobby Moffitt loved his preacher. The only thing was is Bobby Moffitt brought one of the biggest revivals to ever hit the continent of Africa. He preached what that old man taught. him. The mark of God's great leaders isn't necessarily how many followers they have, but how many leaders that they have equipped. We may not get the spotlight. Individuals might not get the spotlight. I remember many years ago, many years ago, I was just a kid. My dad was at a church. It was a large church, and they were having all kinds of problems, and it looked like the pastor was on his way out because the church was split. And he said, I want you to do something. He said, everybody in here, he said, I want you to go stand by the person that has influenced you the most in your life. There's about 300 people in that church, and I remember as a kid watching out of a, if let's say it's 300 people, if it was 300 people, 250 going in the back corner and standing beside an old woman in a wheelchair. The church found unity in her, and it went on. Pastor may be the most vocal, he may be the most visible, but he's not necessarily the one that God sees as the greatest servant. The least shall be first. The first shall be least. Barnabas may not have been the greatest missionary in the New Testament, but he trained the greatest missionary in the New Testament. Barnabas may never have written a book of the Bible, and the reason why I say he may never have, most people believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. We don't know who wrote it. But you'll find out there's a good minority of scholars that believe Barnabas did. I don't know who wrote it. Most, I would say, 7 out of 10 scholars believe Paul wrote it. That leaves about 3 out of 10 that I believe Barnabas did. He may never have written a, a book in the Bible. He may never have. But the two men he trained did. And if he did write the book of Hebrews, if he did, I don't think he probably did. But if he did, it's the only book that the author didn't attach his name to. he wanted all glory to go to God. You see, he wasn't one that took the lead, but he was, he was named by the apostles the son of encouragement. He was listed at, by the church members of Jerusalem as our beloved. And God said of him, Which he said of no other man, he was a good man. He was good. That's really all that matters, isn't it? That's really all that needs to be said. If we didn't know any more about him, that would be enough to know he was a good man. Hey, I want to be an encouragement to people. How are we encouragements? We can learn from him. He was never afraid to give a man a chance. He was never afraid to give a man a second chance. He always gave glory to God. He stood, waxed bold. He stood with his friends, for his friends, and against his friends. But truth was what determined his stand. Compassion was what determined his stand. You know, the Bible's given to us, as I've said, as examples. I've got a lot of friends through the ministry. I've been pat- preaching. I've been pastoring going on 15 years. I've been preaching for 19 years. There isn't a couple years that go by that I'm not majorly disappointed by somebody that I once admired. You know why? Because I don't know what's going on in their heart. I don't know what's going on in their mind. You don't need you don't know what's in my heart. You don't know what's in my mind. You don't know my motives. God knows them. But when I look to the pages of the Bible, and I'm giving those examples, I'm giving, I'm, I'm not, it's not what someone else is saying about a man. It's what God assesses a man to be. Boy, I want God's assessment. And you know what? This man Most people, I had a 90-year-old woman say, I've never heard of Barnabas before tonight. There are a lot of people never heard of him. A lot of people never hear of church members. Different things that we do in our life. Just little acts of encouragement for our neighbors and our friends and different ones. God sees it. God records it. And one day when we all get to heaven, I believe we're all going to be surnamed based on who we were here. And that's why all I want to be is an encouragement. I don't want to be the biggest guy. I don't want to be the guy on the stage and the highlight and all that. But if I can help enable some other people to serve the Lord, that's what I want to do. I want to be known by God more than known by being. Now I think all of us can desire that. All of us can want that. All of us can be an encouragement. And when we are, God is blessed. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed. We won't give an invitation.